Welcome back to Clydesdale Media, where we bring you the best from the world of CrossFit. Podcasts, news, special interest, health, fitness. If you like what you hear, hit that subscribe button. Hit the notifier so you're the first to know when we have new episodes. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome back to the Clydesdale Media Podcast. My name is Scott Switzer. I am the Clydesdale. He is Benji Hall. Benji, how you doing? I'm great. How are you, sir? Thanks for having me. Yeah, anytime. Before we get into our little discussion, I'm going to thank our sponsor, C4 Energy. Uh, this weekend, Black Friday and Cyber Monday deals going on all weekend long. It is buy one, get one 50% off. And I think you can mix and match those products, uh, but you can go to officialextend.com, that is X-T-E-N-D, or sellucore.com. And all Cellucore and Extend products are buy one, get one, 50% off. I love the whey protein. I love to mix it with my oatmeal, a little bit of banana, a little bit of blueberry, and that is my nighttime snack to get me through the night. And it tastes like a little bit of uh, oatmeal pudding uh, before I go to bed. So just make sure you take care of those or take advantage of those deals this weekend. Again, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, sellucore.com, officialextend.com. Benji, Boom. what's going on? How much, man? It's a, uh, it's a chilly day here in the Pacific Northwest. So for those of you who don't know Benji, he is a behind-the-scenes guy in the CrossFit space. He is a agent slash manager, and I don't know the difference between the two. Can you explain to me what those are? Yeah, so you're uh, a lot of times when people think of agent, they think of Jerry Maguire, uh, which I actually just watched for the first time like last fall. So just about a year ago, I, I'd been in this, been doing this for a while, and then uh, my dad had asked me. He was like, "Have you seen? Have you seen Jerry Maguire? You should. You should definitely go watch that." Uh, a fair warning. Very graphic scene. Like five minutes into it. Uh, so if you're watching with kids and there's bookshelves, skip through. Uh, but uh, an agent and a manager, especially in CrossFit, right? Um, because of just where our sport is at and kind of where things are, sometimes those lines blur and they overlap a little bit. Um, generally, a manager will handle day-to-day uh, -day operations, right? So they'll be more of the hey, you've got this social media appearance, you've got this, uh, let's say you've got this photo shoot, you've got this, you've got that. They're more of a, in in the larger world, they're kind of a calendar manager. They make sure you're hitting deliverables that you need. Um, and agents are usually people that do exclusively contract negotiation, um, do deal obtaining, deal management, um, especially with a lot of influencers and TikTok influencers. Sometimes people will have one of each, uh, in the CrossFit world, right, we have, because of where our size and where we're at and just uh, the ability to do both, uh, we have a lot of guys like guys and gals like myself that do both. And we kind of just go by whatever whatever title people end up calling us. My uh, my business card says agent, but really, like, we're behind the scenes people that get stuff done. So, Yeah, and so if our audience doesn't know, we actually signed with you uh, a couple months ago now, I think it was. Um, and you do, you give, you give advice about behind the scenes stuff to us, what we needed to do to kind of clean up our business and our end, uh, which was so appreciated. And we appreciate you so much for that. So how, where, where did it all start for you? you did you have an athletic background and that, and you wanted to, to kind of stay in sports? Yeah. So I, I played sports, but my childhood was a little bit different. Um, I lived in rural Bush, Alaska for seven and a half years, six and a half, seven, somewhere around there for a, a good chunk of my childhood. Uh, but grew up in the Portland, Vancouver metro area. So Pacific Northwest, born and raised, uh, and then moved up to Kotzebue, Alaska, which if you're looking at Alaska, it's kind of like this. It's right up here and it's 33 miles above the Arctic Circle. Um, so when we moved there and it was March or April or something, 2008, we there were like 12 foot high walls of snow where plow trucks had to come through and the snow just gets cast off to the side. But you could literally, as long as there wasn't anything underneath, jump off of the roofs of houses into snow. 
Um, so living in Bush, Alaska, we lived in three different villages during that time. Um, you couldn't do like football. You couldn't do baseball. You couldn't do all these sports that, right, that kids might have had access to in what's called the lower 48, right, the continental United States. Um, but we, like I wrestled. Um, I did dance for a couple of years, like jazz, tap, hip hop, ballet. Not a lot of people know that, but I was, I did a little bit of everything. I was involved in musicals. Um, and then when we moved back to Washington state in 2014, uh, we moved to Yakima, Washington. Uh, I started playing high school football, uh, really didn't love it for the first few years. Uh, but by the, by the end of my high school career, I was in love with it. Um, it's what I was actually going to go do in college but then ended up giving that up to go up to school in British Columbia. Um, so I had a scholarship offer from a little school in Oregon um, and then just felt a divine call in my life to go uh, actually up north to a tiny, tiny private Christian university uh, called Trinity Western University, Langley, BC, um, which is where kind of the intersection of sports and business happened for me, um, where I got to develop a student section that grew into this this huge entity. It was kind of, it's very similar vein to uh, the GCU Havocs. If you're watching this and you, you don't know what those are, go search them on YouTube. They are, it's another private small school in Phoenix, Arizona, uh, where their men's basketball teams, they get thousands of students every single game that line the sides of their student, their student section is like half of their arena. Um, but it's all built on culture. So alongside my university education, I got this real world education in business and sponsorship and how it intersects with sports and how do you create something that's more about telling a story and being a part of a, a specific culture rather than just a, hey, here's a free t-shirt or here's free pizza. Um, and that's that's kind of my my sports background all the way up in, to university. Does that, does that answer your question? It was a little long-winded. It does, uh, but I'm going to expand on it. So you said you had a divine calling to go to Canada to school. Yeah. How does your faith and your love of sports intersect? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so my faith is at the core of everything I do. Um, I would, I wouldn't say that there's necessarily just an intersection between that and my in sports. Uh, there's an intersection like that is the root of everything that I do. Um, it is by no means am I perfect. Um, by no means do I, like claim to have any angelic presence about me. Uh, but it is something that I yearn and strive for every day. And so for me, like, especially growing up, right? Like I grew up in a Christian house and uh, went to church and uh, was involved in youth group and led worship. And I've played guitar for 15 years. Like I, like I was the stereotypical, like the kid that's like, looks really awesome on the outside at the church. Like he's speaking on Sundays, like he's doing all this stuff, whatever. Um, but in high school and my early university years, really on the inside was um, kind of like a shell of a human. Uh, and for me over the last few years specifically, it's been more of a development of um, less about the intersection and more about that root spot, right? Where everything that I do now comes out of this position of, like I have been saved by grace only for, by Jesus dying on the cross. And I now get to go live out my life and step into the calling that's been placed upon me um, because of that, and I think that there there's a there is a calling that everybody has, and then there are tools that we are given to fulfill that calling. The calling is to go out and be Jesus in this world, right? Like First Corinthians ten thirty one says, "So whether you eat or whether you drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God." And that's kind of the baseline for me, right? Like I've got, I've got a couple tattoos, and two of them are Bible verses and their chapters. And funny enough, one of them is uh, a bison, like a, a literal into the storm bison. Uh, because of how important that was to me. But <clears throat> that Bible verse, 1 Corinthians 10, 31, uh, is that baseline, right? Whatever you do, do it for the glory of God, right? That is the calling. And then the tools that we're given are different, right? Like my set of equipping is different than my wife's. And right? I'm an extrovert. I'm real, I love to talk. I love to get to know people. I love to, um, I love to challenge people. I love to have serious, hard conversation. Whereas my wife is much more inviting. She is, um, she's the flip side of that where she is, best suited in a small group of three to four people where she can have intimate conversation that gets to know you and then encourages you to be someone better. Um, whereas for me, I, I, I'm the kind of the, Hey, what are you doing wrong and how can you do it better? Uh, and so that, that then all plays into sports, right? How do you, um, where does that, where does that come together? 
right? It's, it's that baseline for me. Um, and so whether it's sports or whether it's going to a coffee shop or whether it's um, going and working out at my CrossFit gym, like it's kind of that core point from where I spring forward rather than an intersection. It's funny because I think a lot of that is why I was drawn to you um, in a business relationship. Uh, when I was going, when I was in high school, I contemplated becoming a pastor. Um, and when I got to college, I describe it as back in the eighties, you know, the boom boxes had the digital equalizers on it. Yeah. Going through high school, my equalizer was pretty high. When I got to college, that thing dipped my, not my faith, but my obedience to my yeah. faith. It's dipped. the first time you have freedom, right? Like, right. There were, there are things I'll never tell my parents about my first freshman year of college, right? Like they do know this. I failed freshman English. How do you fail the 100 level English class? You just don't do the work. That's how. And I, I am not the guy to ask. Right? I got like, a 0.77 my first semester. Oh, okay. So it's kind of the same boat here. Yeah. Yeah. I passed health and I think everything else was a fail. There you go. <laughs> but it's the first time you have freedom, right? Like I especially, uh, like you go up to this and because mine was like a smaller school, like everybody knew everybody. So there was like clicks, there was like this hierarchy and like, I was just this chunky kid who gave up playing college football that wanted to just like fit in. And on top of that, like I was in a foreign country. Like there were, there yeah. were so many things that I was like, well, I guess I'm here. And I wanted to go do everything because as a high schooler and right, like I had all these, like you're 17 years old, 16 years old, like you're not going out and doing anything crazy and you got to be home by 9 PM anyways. Cause otherwise mom's going to be sitting in the front room waiting for you. Uh, but now I'm at college. I've got no curfew. I can just go slump into my bunk bed whenever I want to. Right. Like it, there was definitely a period of time where I went from being like the goody two shoes kid to the, girls just want to have fun to uh, this like dude who very quickly burnt out. And once I got that F on that transcript, I was like, well, this was a really expensive mistake. I need to slow down. Yeah. I wish I would have learned quicker. You, you learn much faster than I. It, um, uh, well, $3,000 was a very rude awakening. Uh, yeah. I, I got cheap. cut off. I got cut off after first semester. Um, and it still took me 15 years to get my degree. Yeah. Hey, in this, especially in the world we're in today, degrees are becoming less and less valuable in the workplace. I'm not saying that they're not valuable, but there are certain fields where I get, what's your, what is your degree in business business makes sense. Uh, my dad has a degree in business with an, uh, emphasis on marketing and he is the director of our Central Washington program for adults with developmental disabilities. Does all social work, 45 hours a week, doesn't use his business aspect of his degree very much, but it's he's still got a piece of paper, so. Yeah, I, I do use some of it. I, I probably concentrated more in statistics than anything else. Oh, sure. And, and I do use that in my day job, but uh, it's not my passion. And uh, this is, and I'm so glad I get to do this. So one of your passions is CrossFit. How did you yeah. find CrossFit? When did it happen? So that, again, we're going to go back to college. Uh, when I gave up playing college football, um, I probably, I made that decision kind of around the winter of my senior year. Um, and I called the coach and told him like, hey, listen, I really appreciate the offer. Like, I feel like I need to go do something different. And he, he he's a faith guy. So he uh, obviously was bummed and probably a little bit pissed because uh, I was going to go play defensive tackle. And I'd said that was my dream and all sorts of things. And uh, I, But after that, I kept eating like I was going to play college football. Um, but I didn't keep training like I was going to play college football. And I blew up like a blimp. I think I gained like 30 pounds the second semester of my senior year of high school. Like the pictures from the fall and the spring look like a different person. Um, and then summer between that was like summer with my boys, like we were having fun. There were six of us that ran together. Like 
they're still my best friends to this day. Like I spend time with them all the time. Um, we've actually, I actually went to someone's wedding a few weeks ago, right? Like, uh, we all, it was just a summer to be boys, to have fun and didn't really care about the weight thing. Um, and then I got to college and again, same atmosphere where it's like, you just want to fit in. You want to be the cool guy. You want to have fun. Um, but my whole freshman year, um, there was this internal battle that was happening inside of me where I just hated my body. And, and in turn, because of that, like, I hated myself, right? Like, and then that's a very harsh thing to say, but it's true. Like I just, I did not love myself. I had no, uh, my self-worth was at an all-time low. And so then there was a moment in time where I was on the phone with my mom uh, and she had asked like, if I was seeing anybody, like, obviously like it's a small private Christian school, like everybody knows everybody. Um, and I, I had, wasn't dating anyone at the time, but uh, I, I just almost as matter of fact on the phone with her said, no, I, I don't expect anyone to like me or love me until I get my body taken care of. Like I said, yeah, exactly. I said that like it was fact, which it was not. Uh, in fact, that was the lies of the devil just taking root in my head and becoming truth. Um, and like I heard her voice crack on the other end and she said, Benjamin, that's just not true. Like that is, like you need to spend some time thinking about that because that's just not the truth. Uh, and that was really kind of an, a wake-up call for me. Uh, and I had some some mentors that uh, were big workout guys, so I started working out with them. But I started doing like these crazy Dwayne the, Rain, Dwayne the Rock Johnson, uh, like two hours of lifting, an hour of cardio, eating nothing, like doing everything wrong and not seeing the goals that I wanted to, right? Like I was putting on muscle, like I was drinking protein shakes like it was my job. Like I was probably taking in 250 to 300 grams of protein a day, like bathroom trips galore. And throughout that, like that kind of summer and then into the fall, right? Like I really hadn't, was just moving with no real direction. I had a goal, but I wasn't on the path towards that. Um, and then a buddy of mine who is one of my best friends to this day, his name is Cole Heronin. He's a, he is a CrossFit trainer on the West side of Washington state in Tacoma um, he and his wife went to college where I went. Um, we were in, funny enough, a business statistics class. And he leaned over to me and he was like, dude, you should come try CrossFit. I think you'd love it. But I was like, no, dude, like I've heard of CrossFit. Like I'm not a psychopath. Like I, I don't want to put myself through that. And he wore me down. He wore me down. Oh, you're doing Dwayne The Rock Johnson workouts. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm literally like doing like the GQ train like Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Uh, like absolutely just destroying my chest and tries on like a daily. Uh and eventually he wears me down though. And I'm like, all right, cool. I'll do it. You program it and let's do it at the gym at school. I'm not going to a box and making a fool of myself. Like I had enough knowledge of CrossFit where I was like, I know what this is. And he programmed an EMOM and I promptly died. Like it was taking me 55 seconds of each minute to do each movement. And it wasn't even like a high volume EMOM or high volume EMOM. It was something that was like, like I look at it now and I would do it as a primer. Like it would be something that uh, that I would do just super simply and super easy. Like it wouldn't even be a second thought, but I just died. And I was like, dude, that's it. No way. I'm not doing that. Uh, I, you're crazy. Fast forward a few months, spring of 2020, what happens? The world shuts down. I end up leaving school and no joke, like six hours later, they closed the borders. So I went home. Uh, right before the borders closed and I'm home and one of my best friends, his name is Zach, he had done the opposite of what I had done at school. So I had lost a bunch of weight, but he had gained a bunch of muscle. Like he was a tiny dude when we left, like skater, wore baggy clothes. Now this guy is like filling out larges and extra larges when he used to wear mediums. I'm like, what did you do? You look like an Adonis, right? Like dude's got washboard abs. He's a firefighter, like one of the coolest dudes I know. And he's like, dude, CrossFit. Well, it also helps that he has a rabbit's metabolism and can, his body processes protein really, really well. Uh, but he like, I was like, all right, I'm in. So for about a month, uh, I went really all in on learning things before I went in. Um, I love Olympic lifting. Um, I geek out over like Amy and I Everett's videos or Maggie, Maddie Rogers' videos, um, hook grip. Like I love I could sit and watch an Olympic lifting meet. Like that's how much I enjoy it. 
Uh, and I love to snatch and clean and jerk um, and lift. And so I spent probably about a month, went over to a buddy's garage every night after work. And I just learned lifting. I learned CrossFit movements. I would watch like the CrossFit red shirt videos where it would walk you through a movement. I'd learn it and I'd practice it for a week. Um, and then eventually our gym was able to back open back up, um, obviously with some code restrictions and whatnot, but I started going. Uh, my very first class, I fell off of a box doing box jumps and landed on the vertical barbell rack. Uh, and just the coach was like super worried. And I just got up. I was too embarrassed to like stop or do anything. So I just got up and kept going. Uh, but then started to fall in love with the community as everyone does. And uh, here we are. I go six days a week. If I could, I would train for eight hours a day. That's awesome. Uh, you got a shout out from Jonathan Ortega. Uh, just stop by to say, Hey, what a, he's a good dude. Um, so you find CrossFit, you fall in love. How did your, how did your body change from the minute you started CrossFit in comparison to all the other stuff you were trying? Um, so there it's an ongoing battle, right? Like, I, the way I explain it is I've got, I've got two factors that I'm fighting, nurture and nature. Um, like my, my dad's a big dude. Like my dad, like he played college baseball. He played semi-pro ball. Um, but we're like, we are broad shouldered, tall individuals. Like if you, if anyone's seen me in an event, like I'm hard to miss because I'm tall, I'm big, also pretty loud. Uh, so I, I fight the nature a little bit, right? Like it's in my nature to be a larger individual. It's in my genetics. Uh, but as far as body composition goes, that was a lot of fighting nurture. Um, part of it was food education, right? Like learning like, okay, if you just eat protein, you're going to have no energy. You're not going to, you don't take any carb. You're going to have zero energy. Um, and that learning that the fats aren't a bad thing, right? Like good fats and utilizing food as tools is, is better than fearing food and being a part of it. So that was part of the education that came with CrossFit, right? Like I started reading CrossFit journals. Um, I started really consuming as much content on health and fitness as I could. Um, but the biggest thing that I've seen is, right? Like I'm, I'm more built. Like I, I, I'm, I'm more solid. Like at one point I looked like the Michelin man where it was just white and I had rolls. And now like I look at myself in the mirror and I can see shoulder muscle definition. I can see my biceps. I can see pectorals, right? Like I can feel like my abs still got a little layer of protection, you know, but I can feel them when I'm doing movements. It's not, I don't get out of breath going up a, a large flight of stairs. Like, um, I travel a lot. I can carry bags. Like that was one of the big things was living in the villages. We traveled quite a bit to go grocery shopping in Anchorage because like things are really expensive in the villages. And I like as a chubby little kid, like a 50 pound tote would kill me. Now I can do like on our honeymoon, my wife packed like a 60 pound bag and I had that and my 35 pound bag in my hands and I could carry those no problem throughout the airport, right? Like there, my body composition has changed to become more solid, but there's also been something that's happened where like I, I can do, I'm more functional in everyday life, if that makes sense. Plus just for me, it was a sense of confidence, right? Yeah. If oh, you yeah. Can, if you can make it through these classes, life, life may throw some punches, but, but you have the ability to fight back. Yeah. Uh, Fraser one time said, I think it was in the Dubai documentary. Uh, he talks about how he's the baddest mother ever alive. Uh, and he will die for a workout. But if you give him, he wants to be the best at recovery. And so for me, right, like you put me in a cardio-based workout, like Tuesdays are the kind of a cardio day at my gym. Like in a 30-minute period today, we're testing 16.5 with dumbbells. So 28, 25, 20, whatever it is, all the way down to one, dumbbell thrusters and burpees over the dumbbells. And then we're going to do from – Go into the 15-minute mark or until you finish it, then rest three minutes, and you're going to go straight into Cindy until the 30-minute mark. So could be a 12-minute AMRAP if you finish 
uh, 16.5 in like 10 minutes, it's a 20 minute AMRAP, right? Like that workout, a lot of body weight movement in Cindy, and it's going to be high heart rate in the 16.5. Like, I know I'm not going to win that workout, but in that three minute of rest, I'm going to do everything I can because I want to be able to come out and at least fight a little bit. Right. And that transitions directly into my life, right? Like starting a business, being relatively young for the other professionals in my field, like you want to give me two seconds to catch my breath. Great. I'm going to be the best at everything that I do, whether that's recovery or whatever I'm working at, because that's a champion's mindset. And it, if I can go in and do that in a class, why can't I do that in between meetings all day? Let's say I've got four meetings back to back. Cool. Two minutes of rest in between each time to go fill my water, time to go grab my coffee, whatever. Cool. In that two minutes, I'm going to take that time and I'm going to go into the next meeting more ready than I was for the one before it. Uh, hopefully that, that was kind of rambling, but hopefully that made sense. Yeah. I, I love that attitude because that's really my goal for the 2023 CrossFit games is to be able to get from point A to point B and instantly be ready. Right. Yeah. Like I was able to get from point A to point B all during last year's games, but it was not comfortable. And I was breathing heavy when I got there. Like the goal for this year is to get there and be able to get on a knee and get pictures or to ask a person a question and get an interview like that. So I totally yeah. get that. Um, so now you have this, you learn all about nutrition. You can tote, tote all this stuff have your health markers changed or oh yeah because you were an active child you know it, so they have changed yeah um by health markers do you mean kind of like like my blood glucose levels or anything like that or are you talking about kind of my goals uh, yeah so, blood glucose levels blood pressure yeah so they there's a lot that's changed my blood pressure has gone down quite a bit right carrying a lot of excess body weight and getting rid of that has helped a lot um, but again, with the dietary change, right? Like I get sick less often. Like I, um, am able to go out and do more like there, I wouldn't, I haven't done as much research, research with that. I actually want to get that taken care of working with wild health. Um, if you guys don't know what wild health is, check out Julie Fouché and wild health. Like they're doing some really cool stuff as far as, um, genetic testing and those health markers and different things and figuring out like, how do you attack current issues. And then how do you do pre bring in preventative measures for stuff that could come up? Um, but yeah, I've never yeah, really set up to start that at the first of the year. Oh, I'm so stoked. I think it's the future. Uh, I'm so excited. Like, I'm just excited to kind of look at my blood work and do all that. Like I'm a data guy. Like I love to get information. And so I'm stoked for that. Uh, health markers, as far as that goes, like there's been some changes, like it's super cool to see body fat percentage going up and then, or go down. And then to see fat-free body weight go up, right? Like the amount of body weight that um, is muscle and skeletal go up is really cool because my skeletal is not really going to change. What is changing is the muscle mass. Um, there are certain things where it's like, like I went through my clothes the other day and as, as my shoulders grow, like shirts get tighter, and, uh, which is why I, like an LSKD oversized shirt is my go-to usually because the shoulders are broad uh, and like that, some of that stuff sucks. But other than that, right, like some of those markers, like it's been cool to see just some of the body change, like whether that is blood pressure or um, even just how, frankly, how my body processes food has been really cool. Gut health. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's so weird, like how we react to changes in our body. Um, because my goal is to be fit, but man, there's nothing, there's no better feeling for me than putting on a shirt and my bicep stretching the material. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. You know what I mean? You put it, you put yeah. it on. You're like, oh shoot. When did this get so tight? Yeah. Might have to pull that up above. There we go. Oh, shoot. For me, it's uh when I wear shirts that are like my shoulders are super broad. I'm built like a light bulb where I go up and then I go out. Uh and so my shoulders will bunch right here, material will bunch right here. So I'm constantly like pulling them down. But when I find a shirt that fits my shoulders well, oh man, I, I buy all of them. Like this is a brand that's at Sporting Goods, VRST. Uh, 
and their shirts have like a little bit of extra room in the shoulder seam. Oh, primo. That's awesome. So now, now let's move into you started your own business. Yeah. Why did you want to get into being an agent and why did you want to start your own business? Yeah. So there, uh, it's kind of interesting. There's a lot of outside influence in my story. Um, one of which being Matt O'Keefe. Um, O'Keefe was, uh, he and I have met a couple times. Like we don't have any real like working relationship or anything, but uh, he was the inspiration for why I got into this. Uh, and uh, there's a documentary. If you couldn't tell, like I love content. I consume content like crazy. Uh, like I am, my wife makes fun of me because I flip through YouTube. Like people scroll Netflix, people scroll Hulu, whatever. I scroll YouTube and I consume CrossFit content. Uh, and so in that, like I fell in love with the Buttery Bros. And by falling in love with the Buttery Bros, I then got access to Fraser. And I watched all the content that was created on him. And there's a documentary, uh, it was a, like 2016 or something where he and his uh, supplement sponsor at the time, I think, have this documentary where he's like training in his parents' basement. It's up in Vermont in the winter. Um, and yep, there's, yep, there's some excerpts <laughs> from O'Keefe in there. Um, and through the through Heber and Marston's videos and that documentary and just kind of paying attention, I got to see the relationship that O'Keefe and Fraser have. And just the relationality and the intentionality behind it and um, how lines are drawn, like the boundaries are very clear, but their lives are done in tandem where it's like, hey, like I'm going to step into this. And their relationship was very organic, right? Like O'Keefe was running, I think it was Redline. And then Fraser was sponsored by them. He asked O'Keefe to look over something. O'Keefe's wife is a lawyer. Like there's all these things that just naturally happened that brought those two together. And I said, and in the back of my mind, I said, Hey, I think that's, I think that's how I want this, how that should work, right? Like it should be relation based. It should be relationship based. Um, and so I threw that nugget in the back of my brain and just held on to it. I was working at a marketing firm. Um, at the time I met a young lady who became my girlfriend, who's now my wife. Uh, and in our very first conversation, actually, I told her like, hey, like, I would love to be an agent in CrossFit someday. Like, I think that would be awesome. Um, and I had this sports marketing background, the sports business background from college and was work I was doing full time content creation, full time social media management. So I was gaining this knowledge and expertise in uh, social media strategy and understanding analytics and kind of the flip side of things that I hadn't really learned running a student section. Uh, and then what would you know it by chance? Uh, I end up in the same room as the firecracker energizer bunny of CrossFit, Mr. James Sprague, uh, who is one of my best friends in the entire world uh, and was my very first athlete. Um, so I ended up, it was funny because I actually messaged Tudor Magda, who lit, who grew up two hours away from me. Uh, and he, I was like, hey, dude, listen, like this is a long shot. Like, I just want to get involved in the CrossFit space. Can I come do some content for you for free? And by no means should this content have ever been posted, right? Like this was mediocre work. It was free. So it was probably nice for a young athlete to get that. Like, but I like by no means would I call myself a content creator uh, nowadays, at least like there, there are people in this space that I am blown away by what they can do. Uh, but in that James was there too. They were buddies, training partners. They were living in the same place. Uh, and so James showed up and I did content for him. I actually have a video on my phone of James doing a handstand walk and I'm walking with a camera in front of him and I tripped over a crash pad and like hit myself in the head with the camera. It's super funny. Uh, I'll send it to you later, Scott, cause it is hilarious. But we meet and really hit it off, James and I, um, and we go grab lunch. Funny enough, same guy that got me into CrossFit, connected me with Tudor, Cole Harrinan. Um, and he was there with us and we went and we sat at Chipotle in uh, Snoqualmie, Issaquah, Washington for probably hour and a half, two hours. That's a long time to sit in Chipotle. And we just pestered each other with question after question after question. Like, who are you? What do you want out of life? What are your goals? Like, who are you as a man? What do you believe in? What are your business aspirations? Um, and then I, I sat on it for a little bit, went home, obviously delivered content uh sat on it for about a week 
um, chatted with my girlfriend. And I said, hey, I think, I think I'm going to ask this kid if he wants to work together. Uh, called him. He knew my background and I, because we had talked about it. And I said, hey, man, like I'm willing to bet on you if you're willing to bet on me. Um, and we, we started working together and it was trial by fire. Uh, I look back at some of the some of the deals and some of the things that we did a few years ago, and uh, the education and the uh, the learning on the job that has happened has. Uh, I look back at those and I chuckle a little bit, but that's that's how we got started. Um, how I got started, and it kind of all started by chance, but also by seeing and almost copying someone's example of how to how to make it happen. So I want to unpack a couple things. You said you didn't see Jerry Maguire until last year. However, your mantra was his thesis. Yeah. Right? In the movie, pretty much. That it's relational. And to be an agent, to be a good agent, you needed to switch from the big corporate agency to a more relational agent, correct? Which I think is very funny. The, um, oh, shoot. There was something else I was going to say there. Um, Oh, shoot. I lost my train of thought. But anyway, hopefully it'll come back here in a second. Um, so you do that. You start this business with James. And you you talk about how you learned trial by fire. When we first sat down, I mean, you remember we tried to do everything on our own. And when you told us what we had done wrong, like it was like, oh, right. Make, you make just, sound like you just don't wolf. know what you don't know. Yeah. What was that? Make me sound like the big bad wolf. Right. Not be, no, you actually like un, unveiled the truth to us, yeah. which we just didn't know what we didn't know. We didn't even know the questions to ask. Sure. And I had, so I had the same thing. Uh, Cooper Marsh, I cannot speak highly enough of him. Um, I reached out to him, I sent him a DM, and I. Uh, just shot my shot and I said, Hey man, I'm starting in this. Uh, can I call you and pick your brain? Uh, and he gave me like an hour, hour ish of his time one day. And, um, that was like the conf, one of the confidence boosts that I needed, but it was the very same thing where he kind of pulled the wool back a little bit. And he was like, Hey man, like, this is good what you're doing here, but here's where you can improve. And here's how you get better. Um, and even throughout like the last few years of doing this, like Coop is someone that I like one of the people that I trust almost explicitly in CrossFit. Um, if I like, God forbid something were to happen and I wasn't doing agency anymore, right? Like he's one of the people that like would be the first I called where I'm like, Hey man, I'm in a crisis. I don't know what I'm doing. Like, you know, one of those, one of those friends and one of those dudes that like, it's not like he and I text every single day. It's not like we're best friends in the entire world or anything, but he's someone that I just trust. Um, and you need people like that sometimes to come in and say like, Hey, like you're doing really good. Here's where you can do better. Yeah. Hoop is an amazing person. Uh, one of the, one of the first people I met in the space, um, just an amazing dude. You, you're so correct. Um, I remember what it, what it is I was going to say. Perfect. In that documentary, or even when we talked to Matt uh, Fraser in his relationship with O'Keefe, the key to that relationship was trust. Yeah. And I don't think, just from an outsider's perspective, where that took off is when O'Keefe said, I know you, I have you under contract, but this Nike deal is way better for you than what I can offer. And I'm yeah. going to let you go. And it was that moment that then Fraser trusted O'Keefe implicitly. And that's when their relationship took off. Yeah. And why they are best friends to this day. <laughs> are those the things you look at when you're talking with that your moral compass aligns when you look at someone you're going to work with or someone you're going to um, present them to? Definitely. Uh, there are a few things, right? Like, and I think any one of my, the athletes or the people that I work with would tell you, um, like I openly take time out of meetings, out of, um, whether that's, whether it's with a brand or whether it's with an athlete, like I usually try to take the first five or six minutes and 
um, just spend it on getting to know people, right? Like checking in on life. Like we can do business updates. We can do contract stuff. Like that will wait. Um, and that will happen, but checking in and like getting to know people and, and building trust, right? Like as an agent, it's about the athletes. It's about the people I work with. Like I have not just their livelihoods, but their spouse's livelihoods, their children's livelihoods, their future in my hands. And it is extraordinarily special as far as relationships go. Because a lot of people from an outside perspective wouldn't hand over their salary to someone else's control, right? It's my job to protect. It's my job to take care of. And it's my job to look out for the best interests of my athletes. And that only happens with trust. Um, I brought on an athlete a few weeks ago that um, had been burned by a few different situations. Uh, and the first... 30 minutes of our phone, first phone call. Um, I don't think I said more than five words, right? Like this is someone who needed to have serious conversation and needed someone not just hear and try to act, but needed someone to just listen, right? And there's, there's an emotional intelligence piece of agency that I think you have to have because if you don't, if you're not able to build relationship and you're not able to like build trust with these athletes, like there is a, I think there's a cap on where you can go. Like, for example, like Sprague was in my wedding. Like in the, the group of men that were, I had four groomsmen. Let me count, make sure I'm right. Four groomsmen. Yeah, I don't, I don't want someone to watch this and get mad at me. Four groomsmen. And they are all people that have been involved in the journey over the last few years. But the reason that Sprague was in there is because of the relationship that he and I have built. I trust him explicitly. When I work with someone, they don't get access to just me. They get access to our whole strength and numbers network, but they also get access to my wife, to my family, to um, the parts of my life that are going on that, you know, if something is happening that's going to affect my work, right? Like they need to know. Um, last year, my brother-in-law passed away really suddenly and he was 16 years old. After my parents and after my family, the first text I sent was to my athletes saying, hey, this is what happened. I'm probably not going to be reachable for the next day or two. Uh, love you guys. Let me, if it's an emergency, let me know. But right now I need to be able to go. And because we have trust, they know that if something comes up, I'll handle it. But I have the ability to step into that relationship and say, hey, I need a day or I need two. And they can do the same to me and say, hey, this is what's going on. I need some time. Um, there have been relationships, there, there have been calls with athletes where like, they are crises moments in their lives. And because of the trust and relationship that we have, right? Like, I don't just have the authority to speak into the business side of their life, but they've also trusted me with the authority to speak into the personal side, right? Like at the Zalos games last weekend, I stayed with the Gazans. Like that, that wouldn't be possible if we didn't have relationship. Um, truth be told, I kind of forgot your question, but I hope that answers it. <laughs> well, I'm going to move on to the more you try to distance yourself from Jerry Maguire, the more you say things that are the same because Rod Tidwell was in Jerry Maguire's wedding. Just saying. Hey, I, if you want, if you call me Tom Cruise, I'll take it. Like, if you want to say I'm, I'm like Tom Cruise, I'll take that. In. I do want to learn to skydive and I want to get my pilot's license. So they're sounding more like Mr. Cruise day and day. Yeah, just don't jump from a helicopter onto a semi or anything like that. I'll tell you what, I want to do, like there are a few things I want to do in life outside of business and whatnot. I would love uh, to at least witness some of those stunts happen. Um, I have some friends, uh, the Marios. Do you know uh, Haley Mario? Yeah. Josh, yep. based out of LA, they're both. Uh, Josh does stunts. And some of the videos that I've seen from them are just wild. Like I would love to just go watch some of those stunts happen. Um, yeah, I I love them. They are awesome. Uh, due to have a kid, any yeah, I was gonna say their babies do like any day now. Yeah, um, yeah, I love those guys so much. Um, so now you you started your own agency, Elevated Management. Yep. 
And it was very much based on your, your core values and your mission. Yeah. But then an opportunity came about in the last couple months for you to move away from your own agency and join an existing agency. How hard was it to take your baby and say goodbye to it to be able to join a bigger agency with more opportunity? I wrestled with it a lot. Um, the opportunity that was presented to me and that I took, uh, it was 100,000 billion million percent the right decision. Um, our team and our crew and our support system at Strength in Numbers is the best in the world. Like, I don't think anyone does it better than we do. Um, and I hope that comes off not as cocky, but as humble because like I stand, I stand by it. Like they, the people that I get to work with, not just the athletes, but other agents, um, my mentor, James, like he, uh, it was 100% the right move. You talk about Pete, like not knowing something until you know it. Um, there were a few things that happened in kind of that decision that, uh, one, uh, it was hard for me to give up, right? Like elevated management was an ideology. It wasn't anything more than that. It was a single person running something, right? Like it was me. There wasn't, a, there wasn't a other staff. There wasn't, um, other agents where there's now I'm part of a multi-agent agency, pardon. Um, but it was, it was this ideology, right? And my faith plays into a huge piece of that. Uh, but what I felt as I was praying and I was, I was spending time thinking about it and consulting with uh, my mentor here and my, and faith, my wife, um, was that there was this, this divine call to step out of, um, what I'm, what I call a preparation period, right? Like, I think that if you look at the journey of Jesus, right, before he does ministry, he went and spent time alone. Like the Bible talks about before he went out for the day and did ministry, Jesus got up early and he went and spent time in prayer. Um, before his ministry life really started, he went and spent 40 days in the wilderness. It was a time of preparation, right? Like he regularly was seen going off and praying and preparing and presenting himself to God to be, to be used for something bigger. Um, and that's what I really felt like Elevated was. Nothing more than that. It was preparation. It was time that I needed to learn. It was time that um, I needed to be gritty, that I needed to be willing to sleep on floors and on couches um, and eat just the cheapest meals that I could find uh, and time that I needed to learn. But there is no doubt in my mind, strength in numbers is exactly where I belong. Um, because now it's an opportunity to go out and be a part of something that is really incredible and to be Jesus in a new, in a new environment, right? Like I might not, like there might not be a Bible verse in the logo. Cool. Uh, but I will still live my faith out every single day to the best of my ability um, and try to be Jesus to the world around me. And the other thing too, right? Like strength in numbers, like these are some of the best agents in the world. Like we're one of the very first international CrossFit agencies. We have two offices in two different continents. Um, and the cool thing about strength in numbers is like, I have learned so much and I'm continuing to learn and I'm becoming a better agent because I'm associated with them. The way that I, it kind of felt like, uh, you know, when you play Monopoly, you get like that chance card that says go past go. Uh, it felt like I was like four or five squares into the board uh, and the education that I have gotten, just the practical application and the things that you don't know until you know them, uh, has moved me around the board quite a bit uh, to the point where like, I'm a better agent and I can serve my athletes better because I'm associated with strength and numbers. And because I have the opportunity to go to people that have been in this longer than me and uh, have experienced more than me and say, hey, this is what I've got on the table for so-and-so. What are your thoughts? And they'll they'll give me advice and say, hey, you can go change this, you can go do this, um, or you can go this way. And they give me still the autonomy to be able to go out and, you know, execute the tasks and the things that have been given to me to the best of my ability. But without that kind of voice and that mentorship and um, the relationship that I built with them, right? Like I wouldn't be as good without them. So in essence, it gave you the opportunity to be a better agent for your clients in 100%. fast forward. Yeah. 
And it also gives the clients more exposure, right? Like strength in numbers, the whole idea behind that is that we can do better together, which is relationships, right? Like that's at the core of who, who I am. Um, and the athletes have access to more. They have access to more opportunity. Um, we have the blessing to work with Fittest PR, um, the Bert, Kate Burton and her whole crew, Saskia. And um, those are just some wizards and absolutely just some of the most intelligent PR people I've ever met. Uh, and none of that would, would be possible without strength in numbers. It's crazy because before we were with you, I was like this whole media company has been relational for us, right? Yeah. We we're not the biggest, but we're, we're going to let, we're going to earn your trust and we're going to become relational and be able to talk to you wherever you are and give you a safe place to come and talk. And I have made friends with people that are with strength and numbers who work for strength and numbers and I didn't even know it until you went to them. Best it's just crazy. Yeah. It's crazy how God works in your life um, in these mysterious ways. And then it all comes together in one moment. Yeah. And, and that's intentional, right? Like from a strength and numbers perspective, right? Like this is like my very first like media appearance uh, because we want to be behind the scenes people, right? Like, it's not about us. It's about serving the athletes and creating incredible opportunity for them and furthering the sport. Well, we are coming up against the hour. Two hey, questions I'll go left. As long as you want, man. <laughs> well, we have one of your clients on later today because we are killing it today. There we go. So we need Big work day. We need, yeah. So two questions for you. One, what did you see in this little podcast based out of Columbus, Ohio? that made you want to, to work with us? You guys are gritty. I like gritty. I like uh, being willing to get down in the dirt and create something great, right? Like whether we, whether we work together for a month or a year, whatever it is, 10 years, a hundred years. Um, all right. Like I, I believe in what you guys are doing. And I think that regardless of whether we have a working relationship or a friendship or whatever it is, like I will always be a supporter of Clydesdale um, because I think that you guys are are on the path to um, something great and the platform and the ability for people to have a safe space to just come and talk is, uh, is something that provides an intimate look into a rapidly growing sport. Last question, probably the hardest one I'm going to give you is you, you have these athletes that you're working with and what has to change with CrossFit to be Gosh. able to capitalize on a life for your athletes? You're talking about financially? Yes. That is the hardest question, isn't it? Um, we need to grow. The trajectory that I think that CrossFit is on, I think is a positive one. Um, people make comparisons pretty often to the NBA and the NFL and the MLB. These are sports leagues that have been around for 50 plus years. CrossFit, let's give 2008 as the start with the first games, I believe. I might be wrong. Uh, we're young. We're 14 years old, 15 years old. Um, we have a lot of growing to do. Um, I really am a huge proponent of CrossFit HQ. Um, the journals, black site programming. Um, I think that Don Fall is one of the smartest dudes I've ever seen talk. Uh, I think that he is going to steer the ship in the right direction. Um, I think that the games team is incredible. Um, it's growth. Growth needs to happen. Um, and we need to bring in more non-endemic brands. Like I think that the fact that Monster is involved, that um, Dodge has been involved, that all these other non-CrossFit traditional brands are involved in the space should put people on notice. Um, CrossFit is, is the future, right? Um, functional fitness is something that specifically 
the Western world really needs. Uh, and a CrossFit gym. There was, there was a period of time where I didn't understand the relationship between the gym and the CrossFit games, right? The games is this commercialization. It's this opportunity to in-person watch Little G Gods compete, right? Like people do these incredible feats of athleticism and put their bodies through the ringer for almost a whole week, really a whole year with the training cycle. Uh, but the CrossFit gym is, I think, where it starts, Um you know, my, myself and my colleagues, like we will continue to push to bring non-endemic brands into the space, but the gyms are where it started, right? Like CrossFit as a whole needs to be able to reach the people in the gyms, right? Like there needs to be a marrying between the gym's relationship with the games and the games of the gyms um, because you can put on the games and you can have an ESPN contract or a CBS contract or whatever it is. But if the people at the box don't care, then your core membership base of your culture is falling out, right? Like that's a momentum that I don't want to see CrossFit get into. Um, and I think CrossFit needs to grow. It needs to be something that when the games are on, like one of the things that I love, my home gym, Double Down CrossFit in Yakima, Washington, like when the Zalos games are on, they're on the TVs. When the games are on, they're on the TVs. And it's not just like, the main open division events. Like we're watching the masters athletes compete. We're watching the teens compete. Like we're watching the adaptive athletes compete. Like when the road was on, it's on the TVs, right? I think there's a cultural shift that's going to happen under CrossFit HQ's leadership. And um, that's going to tie in the community more to the games. And then on the other side, I think we need to continue to get more non-endemic brands involved and invested into the community and into the sport. I'll add one thing. I think that all of what you said is correct. The one aspect I think HQ needs to do better is the open needs to matter again. Mm. Because that is where the connection between the affiliate and the game season comes together. And there's something magical about the fact that these, these phenomenal athletes and I are competing in the same event. Sure. Right. That I get a chance to play, even though I have no shot and that's where the magic is. And that needs to, to have an emphasis again. Yeah. One of the, uh, one of the really cool things that double down CrossFit does here in Yakima is, uh, we do Friday night lights, which I know a ton of boxes do. Um, but we max out our parking. Like this is a big deal when we do Friday night lights, like evening classes are canceled. We've got heats going on. Uh, like our coaches put together, they Thursday afternoon, they get the workout, they put together heat times, they're posted. Um, and the CrossFit affiliates team, like, honestly, they're killing it. Like they're just having some conversations with some of those people on that team. Like there's a whole side of CrossFit HQ that when we're involved in, big CrossFit, like cap, like the games and all that stuff that we don't really get to see as often. Um, but I would, I would challenge anyone watching to go follow the CrossFit affiliates, Instagram, figure out who's on the CrossFit affiliates team, follow them on Instagram, see what they're doing. And for the love of God, go get your L1, go get involved, learn the methodology and get excited about that. Right. Cause I think that there's some ownership too on the membership. Right, like you're always going to have members who want to come in, they want to do their workout, and they want to leave. But on the flip side, you're also going to have members that want to go get their L1 for fun, that want to go get their L1 so they can have a better understanding, that want to be involved in what the affiliates are doing because that's a tangible way for a CPA, for a loan officer, for a coffee shop owner, for other people within the community to get involved in what CrossFit is doing as a whole. Um, I wholeheartedly support and stand behind CrossFit and the methodology. And um, I'm really, really excited about where the sport is going. My former gym takes the open to another level. They split the gym into four teams. Whoa. And, and they make it a competition that you are competing for. And the winning team gets like a prize pack. That's sick. And talk about maxing out the parking lot. 
when you know oh. that your teammate is going in this heat and they have to beat that person for you to gain points. It's insane. We have a, we have an auto zone. there's an auto zone right next to our gym. Um, and we're like kind of tucked away. Like we've got kind of a quieter little parking lot. It's a pretty regular occurrence that for three or five weeks in, in February, we get a call every Friday night from AutoZone complaining about us taking up their parking. That's a good thing. It's a very, it's a very good thing. Um, yeah. Well, Benji, I want to thank you for taking time out. Uh, it's been awesome getting to know you and letting the audience get to know you. Uh, it's awesome that uh, you, we've become friends and we're working together to move forward. We thank you tremendously for showing us a new way of doing business. And I'm sure we'll have you back on soon. Whenever you want. All right. Talk to you soon, buddy. Cool. Thanks, sir.